welcome to Stripped by Sia. We have an exciting new guest on the show today. We have Ray Dussolet. She is a local burlesque dancer here, your local go-go dancer, and also your local snake charmer. Welcome to the show, Ray Dussolet. Hi. Hi. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen you. <laughs> the last time I saw you were in my class, which is, which is cool. And also, we worked together many, 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 many years ago. <laughs> so many. Years ago. <laughs> and I think we were both very different people back then. Yeah. <laughs> so sidebar, we used to work at the keg a long time ago. Shout out to Yeltsin Keg. <laughs> I got so many people from the keg following me through this. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh. Shout out to Mary. She was really excited to like, hear this episode. Oh my gosh. Yay. Hi, Mary. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, so we are so excited to get into this whole topic. Burlesque is obviously a beautiful art form. I started with burlesque when I was 18. Bob obviously did not stick with that, but it's just so, it's such a beautiful and sensual dance form. Um, do you want to kind of speak about how you got into that? Um, sure. It was kind of a slow process. So for a few years, I kind of went to burlesque shows here and there. Uh, my friends were quite into theater so uh, they kind of dragged me along and I went to the Vancouver International Burlesque Festival I think for the first time in 2015 and just had my mind blown by all of the amazing performers. I was watching them and thinking oh I wish I could do this. This is so cool um, but didn't really think that it was something that it didn't seem attainable. Whatever I was watching I was just like wow look at these people they're amazing. Not me. Um, <laughs> and then last year year I think yeah around March 2018 I took my first dance class it was a ballet class but that studio also offered like sexy heels dance classes oh, fun. Yes. and I was like "Ooh, <laughs> is that like burlesque I had no idea and started dropping in on those and then from there I started meeting people and I found out that there's lots of different well not lots but there's a few different burlesque schools in Vancouver and signed up for that and that was pretty much the the end of it. I got on stage for the first time September 6th last year. So, so it's almost a whole year. I looked the day today. <laughs> it's uh it's well September. we're recording this in <laughs> it's August 30th. It's August, yeah. <laughs> so by the time this comes out, I'll be I'll One have year. had my burlesque anniversary. Yay, that's so um, exciting. So yeah, and being on stage was like crazy for me. I was really shy as a teenager and child. It just it wasn't something that I ever thought I'd do. Like going up in front of people in any capacity. Never mind being nearly naked. <laughs> Taking off your clothes and in front of people. Yeah, and I loved it. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is my thing. I'm doing this now forever. <laughs> I love this whole story. It's so exciting. Like, it's crazy because, yeah, when I knew you, you're definitely, like, more timid, but shyer, you know, quiet, <laughs> mousy. <laughs> like, yeah. Next thing you know, you're like, oh my god, she's, like, getting naked, but not really naked. I was like, she's doing burlesque. What? This is amazing. Yeah. So that's crazy. So, like, how, how did you transform into the person? you are now oh my god <laughs> tell me your journey <laughs> it's been a crazy year it feels like it's been longer and also very short <laughs> it's I don't know I mean it's also partially my age I guess I'm 28 I'm turning 29 in a couple weeks Ooh. so I don't know about you I think we're almost the same yeah I'm turning 30 yeah. October it's just like a weird time in life when you start to like let go of a lot of things that like a lot of 
mental things, at least for me, that were holding me back or lack of confidence that just, totally. I was just like, fuck it. I don't care what anybody thinks. Yay. Oh, yeah. can I swear? No, yeah, definitely swear. <laughs> fuck, <laughs> shit, fuck, <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah, I just, over time, and, and with the dance classes, I connected with such an amazing community of women that, I don't know, they just, I'm really awkward and still quite shy and weird. And they were like, yeah, come on, you can do it. And I was like, oh shit, I can do it. I can dance. I can do these things. I can be sexy. So yeah, that's been, I guess, the biggest change for me is I don't give a fuck anymore. It makes a difference when you stop yeah. giving a fuck, yeah. honestly. <laughs> What kind of hesitations did you have before? You, you mentioned, like, lack of confidence. Like, what other barriers did you face, I guess, like, a year ago? Yeah, I I dropped in my on my first dance class um, because I was really struggling with depression. I always have, like, for the last, I don't know, it started when I was, like, 10, so a while, 19 years. Wow, that's a long time. And it was really bad around the winter of last year. I'd, like, just broken up with someone. I had, like, no real hobbies that were mine. I'd mm-hmm. always done what my boy friends did so like that guy was really into snowboarding and environmental science which we have in common like my muggle life that's kind of my (laughs) background yes but I just had never explored anything on my own I'd never been single I was really sad and I was like I need to exercise what do I want to do and (laughs) I was like I'll dance which was funny because I um an obstacle I had to overcome is the fact that I am really awkward in my body I never did athletics as a kid I never did anything to do with movement I was very indoorsy was really into art like drawing not yeah I had (laughs) never physical (laughs) never used my body before and dancing is using every part of it right to your fingertips and the tips of your toes so it was really new and it was really challenging and I sort of thought I wouldn't get the hang of it I was like I'm just not a dancer I can't dance I'll do this for exercise to try and like do something about being depressed and like leave the house yeah it just started to come along I don't know so (laughs) eventually I I just was really tenacious about it (laughs) it's still really challenging right the dancing aspect I'm not a technical dancer but so you picked ballet when you first started so how did you come to that decision like why why ballet or why dance over some kind of sport or like a team thing or Um, why that team thing is not my thing agreed yeah (laughs) like to be alone I don't like people people. depending on me and I don't like depending on other people (laughs) um But ballet was because I always wanted to do it when I was little. And I was going through this sort of time of trying everything I wanted to do when I was little because my family was not, they didn't have any money. So I didn't do a lot of hobbies when I was a kid. Like I said, drawing, paper's cheap, pencils are cheap. They were like, you're going to draw. <laughs> <laughs> you're good at that though. Thank you. <laughs> I picked up violin and then I was like, the other thing I really wanted to do was ballet. So I'll do that. Um, turns out ballet is not for me. It's just not sexy enough. Uh, no, and it's freaking hard it's the hardest thing ever I highly recommend it for anyone that wants to get better at dancing because it's just crazy (laughs) I still go to classes every now and then but I I hate them so much but yeah I started with that because I was really into it as a kid I loved the ballet I was like obsessed with watching ballet on YouTube I immediately left ballet as soon as I saw other classes on the like schedule but yeah so then you started going into more of the dancing with heels and then sort of forayed into burlesque yeah it was a lot of just kind of meeting random people that were doing it who weren't like 
Vancouver International Burlesque Festival stars. Stars, yeah. There's <laughs> a difference. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's a whole community here. I didn't know Vancouver was a burlesque hub for like literally North America. Yep, it sure um, is. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just started kind of Googling meeting people and they're like, oh, you should try the Vancouver Burlesque School or Screaming Chickens, which I studied with both uh, lots. And yeah, it was it was just like a kind of a slow, you know, like the, there's so much crossover in the dance world in pole yes. dancing burlesque you know even even like the traditional dance studios like harbor yeah and I dance. we all go to these places so it's just meeting people in class and chatting to them and okay so but like with burlesque and like say pole and stuff like how do those I mean I know how these movements differ but like <laughs> how would you describe the movements differing because there are very distinct differences between burlesque pole and like you know traditional stripping and stuff yeah. you know like how I used to describe it burlesque because like classy stripping <laughs> like as you said down to the fingertips and yeah. like you know um like just caressing your arm as you pull off her glove and stuff like that can you kind of go more into that yeah so burlesque is really suggestive whereas exotic styles are like I don't know how Lola Frost puts it but she always says like I if you don't her. know what to do just pretend you're having sex like straight up just do it she so has said just... that I remember her saying that before yeah so I mean exotic dance is just having it's just miming sex <laughs> whereas burlesque is suggesting the idea of sex in the future I feel like it's very teasy yeah um and for a long for a while I couldn't really discern the differences between different dance styles because mm. dancing was just like so new to me yeah. that I was like I don't like this is all just hard just in the last three or four months I've started to be able to understand actually like what makes burlesque burlesque versus what makes an exotic dancing and I think it's just the time I've spent at strip clubs and then also actually doing burlesque and developing acts and stuff has been right. a lot more it's been like up and up and up ramping up through That's the last awesome. year good burlesque is amazing because you can do whatever you want I always joke to muggle people because they're like what oh a muggle is a person that doesn't do anything stage <laughs> stage things yes <laughs> you normal folk listening <laughs> aka <laughs> it's an endearing term we love you yes Please we come do to the shows Please support us. Please <laughs> us. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> But I always, Mongol people are like, oh, why burlesque? And I always say, like, if you want to roll around in, like, fake blood for five minutes and just scream, like, that's available to you in burlesque. Mm -hmm. If you want to be the most beautiful, glamorous, statuesque woman that you've ever been, that's available to you. Like, you can do literally whatever you want. If it fits within five minutes, you're good to go. Just do it. Um, <laughs> you don't even have to take your clothes off. I've seen acts where they come out naked and they mind putting their clothes on and it was amazing oh wow it was at the first Vancouver International Burlesque Festival that I went to cool. and it was so cool and then I've seen acts where yeah there's no real stripping involved but it's just an amazing act and burlesque is storytelling okay. I think I think that's the the hardest part of burlesque is clearly articulating a story you don't have to be clear if you don't want to but I think that really amazing acts tend to be tend to say something to the audience okay um for me that's burlesque it's it's telling whatever story you want in whatever you, way you want to tell it I think it's really great when the audience can come along on that story with you and then yeah 
I mean stripping and exotic dance. That is all audience oriented, I think. Definitely. <laughs> but it's so fun because you get so much feedback from your audience when you're yes. when you're <laughs> dancing that way. Yes. <laughs> Immediate feedback. Luckily for me it's been mostly positive. I don't think I've had too many bad experiences. <laughs> People Good. have been really wonderful for me, so but it's definitely less of a story. <laughs> it's the story's always like, the same. Yes. The story is all the same, and now I'm naked. Here you go. Yeah. Sex. <laughs> this is what it would look like. You can have it with me. Yes. <laughs> but you can't. Yes, that is always the answer, which is great. <laughs> with burlesque, like, what are what are some of the your most favorite stories? Some of your most favorite acts? Or with any like, do you have any like idols that you look up to? Because mm-hmm. when you said you went to that first um, Vancouver burlesque. Um, what was it convention or something like that or? Vancouver International Burlesque Festival right. we can just call it VIBS there you go because I was like you know yeah. it was very long and I was like I know. what is that what is it called again yeah um, you said you were super mesmerized like what was it that like drew in in that initial moment there was a specific act by a performer from California called Frankie Fictitious what's um, the name yeah <laughs> so awesome. she's amazing and she has this lion act to Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. She starts out in a onesie with a huge glittering lion mask. Like, it's fully rhinestoned. I don't know if you've seen this before. No, but I'm going to have to Google this after. And she comes out. It starts off with her, like, crawling on the ground like a a lion in a onesie. Like, it's not sexy looking. When when the song starts to ramp up and, like, Axl Rose is, like, starting to, like, scream. Like, ah! You know that part? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) She has these pull cords on her onesie that open it from the hips almost. Like it's like parachute cording, you know. So it comes off all in one piece and then she just fucking stomps out and she still has this huge lion head on but she's in like a red panel skirt and Frankie's like always, she's a rhinestone queen. Oh my gosh. Um, So she's just like the most glittery sparkly thing and you're just watching this lion. You have no idea who's in the mask. Like I didn't know who this person was. And then at the very end of her act she pulls off the mask and she had her hair done I think she usually does this for this act really really big like an afro and so she's almost like a lion herself yeah totally and that's I'm giving away her whole act but that's the end (laughs) reveal and it's just it's really cool and I was just like wow you can make your face a reveal like and it can be the most exciting one like she's already naked you've got it all and it's like no you haven't seen her face yet Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. That's so cool. And you said you'd gone to like a lot of like different shows and stuff before. Okay, like around the city, Vancouver. Yeah, I'd gone to like, there's a group called the Geek Enders. They do like, they do the Star Wars burlesque and the burlesque. Yes, at the Rio. So yeah, my friends (laughs) had taken me to those because they're super into like all that stuff. Like (laughs) super into Star Wars, super into anime. Like my friends are nerdy as fuck. (laughs) So I would go with them to those. It was just seen as like, like for us, I wasn't part of the burlesque world or anything. It was just like this cool. Like I think those shows get a lot of muggles in because yes. they, that's like everyone's like first taste. Yeah, because accessible. And yeah. You're like, oh, you're, there's a theme to it, and it's like a movie or something. Yeah, and, and you're, you're not like, going to like a strip show. No, and then Which, you 
<laughs> you're kind of surprised when yeah. you know. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Very sexy stormtrooper, okay. <laughs> kind of, those were the shows we'd go to as muggle people. And then the BIBF was probably my first non-themed burlesque show that was like big and yeah. with international performers. And I was just like, wow, you can go so far with this. Amazing. I feel like I'm talking too much. No, you're allowed to. Please <laughs> talk. Continue. I love it. <laughs> Are you performing now? Have you gone to the stage? You said you, mm-hmm. you did hit the stage at the end of last year. Yeah. How I, was that experience for you? Oh, it was so good. It was so scary. <laughs> my legs still shake most of the time when I go on stage. The only times my legs don't shake is when I have a snake on me for some reason. But We'll get into that topic later. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, I've performed in a lot of shows now. I feel like I do, I end up averaging like one a month. That's amazing. And then the go-go dancing and all that. So I'm on on display a lot actually for how short of a time that I've been doing this. I'm going um, back, I went on tour to Calgary a couple months ago as a snake dancer and I'm going back in two weeks. (gasps) Yay, this is exciting. Yeah, Calgary's really fun. They have a really great community there as well and there's a lot of circus there which I'm also dabbling in. Yeah, I'm definitely performing this Christmas. Oh my gosh, I'm excited. All the things, we will definitely post this stuff later down Mm -hmm. below. But okay, so you mentioned the community a couple times. So you're talking about the dance community, the burlesque community, Mm -hmm. all that. Can you talk a bit more about like what that's like and how welcoming your experience that has Mm -hmm. been? Because I've had a similar kind of journey with pole. Like I had no idea. I have a lot of girlfriends, you know, but Mm -hmm. like the minute I got into pole, like everyone is super welcoming. Everyone's your best friend and like in the most genuine way and super non-judgmental doesn't matter what your body type is doesn't matter how old you are what your sexual orientation is just been like super accepting is it kind of similar in in the burlesque community as well yeah very much so you definitely want to there are so many people in the burlesque community of all walks of life and everyone is so different and that's what makes it amazing and that's what makes I think Vancouver so amazing is that we have so much diversity and therefore diversity of acts and stories that are being told Right. burlesque is very personal to most performers I think mm-hmm. um, most of us want to tell things that are close to our heart in some way it's been very welcoming and very wonderful that demands like you need to respect other people I don't, I don't know how to put this but it's it's a really great community for learning about interacting with people from all walks of life so I've been really welcomed and felt really welcomed and safe it's a safe space I think that's what I'm trying to say yeah definitely. burlesque is safe for anybody to enter and I love that about it I love that when I sign up for a burlesque class and I get there there are people of all ages sizes like it's so amazing that this is accessible to anybody because so many things aren't yes um yeah so true it's been great we've obviously had a very positive experience as well so since you've been in the burlesque world for a year how have you changed like can you see that there's been a big difference yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) my whole life has been turned upside down (laughs) in the best way possible (laughs) yeah except that I'm really tired all the time now (laughs) uh no I've always been tired all the time but now it's like I have a reason to be (laughs) 
it's been interesting. So I, for like 10 years, as you know, I was like in school. Yes, forever. <laughs> forever. And Which you paid for all by yourself. Amazing. <laughs> I did pay as you go, which That's is why amazing. it took 10 years. But you still did it. That's super yeah. like admirable. <laughs> so that took forever and took all my focus and the energy. And I'd been a really studious kid as well. So I was just like really nerdy and like really into getting A's. and <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. That's my thing. <laughs> I continued that on for the first 10 years of, I guess, adulthood to go through university and then get my muggle job, which is in the field of my degree and a fairly bureaucratic <laughs> government job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so that was who I thought I was going to be. I thought I was going to do the nine to five and eventually meet someone and then, you know, I don't know, buy a tiny apartment oh my <laughs> and have a dog. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so, and, and that was the path that I thought I wanted to work towards that my whole life because that's not the family that I came out of. And, and it was, uh, my family is just a little bit like unstable and I wanted stability. And I've been in my career job now for four and a half years and discovering that that's not everything. It's not. It's not super fulfilling to just have your nine to five and um, <laughs> try to move up through the corporate ranks. <laughs> That's changed a lot for me. My whole perspective on where I want to go in life has changed a lot. I'm realizing how important artistry is to me. Yes. Art and making art and connecting with other artists. Money Money and security aren't everything. And there's also a lot of different ways to make a living. Totally. I'm discovering. Yes, there are. (laughs) And so my identity has shifted entirely. Like, Ray du Soleil is more and more becoming me. It's almost a little scary at times. Like so exciting. The other person is disappearing and changing into this Ray du Soleil character. I don't know what to make of it yet. I love this story, though. <laughs> it's almost because, like, you know, you have your stage name and you have your alias. And you're like, well, that's the person you know, I am yeah. on stage. And that's who I am during, you know, <laughs> in the dark, like, in nighttime mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, when you're go-going or, or whatnot or you're on stage. But it's such a contrast sometimes, I guess, mm-hmm. just because I've known you for a long time, too. It's just like, whoa, like, I think it's so admirable because you've just come such a long way. And I feel like, and I haven't even talked to you in a long time either. But yeah. like, I know, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> But I feel like you're finally like getting to really know yourself and you're still learning so much about yourself. And I think that dance has really brought that other side out of you, which is so freaking cool. Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing. And I think it's great that you're kind of like morphing into one, which I think is a great thing for sure. I hope so. It's scary in that when you think your life's going one way and then something clicks and changes and it goes a totally different way it can be really shocking I get I, like I, I shock myself daily I'm like who am I <laughs> what am I doing right now and at times I, I get really scared freaked out I sound so dramatic right now like <laughs> so dramatic <laughs> but like I just got freaked out because like my day life has been it's maybe taken a hit in that I used to be I liked to excel and I still want to do that but I don't have the energy for everything so right. I think because my day job is not the job I'm passionate about not that burlesque is a job but like working in clubs and go-go dancing and stripping yeah our jobs 
Um, yeah. Yes, they are. <laughs> uh, and maybe someday burlesque will also be a job if I'm super, super lucky. Right. But uh, I think that it's been hard managing where I'm putting energy. Yes. And it's definitely like I need to sort some stuff out because a person can't work <laughs> seven days a week forever, especially when one job is from nine to five and the other job <laughs> till three in the morning is, is from eleven to three. <laughs> yeah. Girl, I hear you. <laughs> like freaking four jobs and counting. So. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. <laughs> the struggle's real. <laughs> it's tiring, especially all these types of you know jobs within industry and adult industry, they're all very physical. Mm-hmm. You're using your body a lot and you're engaging all the time, right? Since you mentioned, um can you talk a bit about go go dancing? Yeah. <laughs> Go-go dancing is the most fun ever. Yay. I love it. It's my favorite job of all my jobs. The way I got into go-go dancing. Please tell the story. It was my first show last September, my very first show. I go on stage, I do two numbers, and then I get this text the next day that's like, hey, do you want to go-go dance tonight? And I was like, "Mm mm-hmm, yup. And it was from this company. They're called Electric Obsidian, and I knew of them. And I was like, wow, I wish I could work somewhere like that, but I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not anything enough. Like, if you go to their social media, you're just like, damn, these girls are perfect. (laughs) And I guess I had been one of the girls that works for Electric Obsidian saw me dance and thought I would be a good fit, which, like, I was like, oh, my God. It's so amazing. It's so awesome that. (laughs) Yeah. And so I did it the first night, and yep, at a strip club. Yeah, it was super, super fun, and I loved it. And then I didn't get another shift for, like, two months, and I was very sad. <laughs> but then this summer I've done a lot of dancing doing go-go and we always get different costumes to wear it's really fun costumes are the best you're always a different character so amazing and like people love go-go dancers it's really yeah, interesting <laughs> like I get way more solicitation when I'm a go-go dancer than when I'm a stripper what? or private dances and stuff the biggest one oh. I ever had was as, as a go-go dancer someone bought me out for an hour what? oh my god you're like yes please <laughs> I guess because people are seeing you perform. As a stripper, you're always kind of hustling, right? You're yes. always trying to get the sale. And so as a go-go dancer, you just go up and dance. And yeah. you're having a good time. And I think that, I don't know, it's that's just attractive. It's almost like the unattainable, the go-go dancer. Oh, she doesn't do private dances. Oh. That kind of thing. I didn't even know that they did private dancing. I will, but we're not. it's not the job. And yeah. I like to say, I'm giving out secrets, but <laughs> I like to say, oh, I'm not supposed to. Because it makes them want it more. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, Trade secret, guys. (laughs) Most of the go-go dancers that dance at the strip club won't do it. I do both. It's not, like, scary for me. I think private dancing is scary for a lot of girls. Including me. (laughs) I've done it for a while. I hate it. I hate it, too. I don't. (laughs) I hate hustling. It's hard. It's, it's, It's really something (laughs) it's really tiring go-go dancing is so fun it's awesome I've been really lucky I just people are always like how'd you get that job and I'm like I don't know it was given to me so you're lucky they found you yeah yes thank you Lindsay (laughs) shout out (laughs) 
when you're go-going, is it just like you're just dancing or is there mm-hmm. like, is it just on a podium or is there like a cage or is there a pole? Like, can yeah. you explain to me? So the setup? place, go-go dancers work at all kinds of different venues. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only worked at two in the city. Um, so my main venue is the strip club. The structure is that go-go dancers will usually dance for between 10 and 20 minutes on and then take like 20 minutes off and go up all night long for as long as we're supposed to be there, which is usually three to four hours. So it's pretty physically demanding. That's a long time to be dancing. It's really great. It gets you in good shape fast. Um, at the strip club, it's a small podium with a pole or a cage, and we kind of switch off. Usually go-go dancers will work in pairs. It's always more fun for people when, when there's girls wearing matching outfits. Yes. <laughs> so, it's all about that fantasy, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Someone, uh, one of the strippers said to me the other night, uh, I was go-go dancing, and she's like, Go-go dancers are so magical. You guys are just so magical. You are. Thank you. (laughs) Like low-key jealous. (laughs) So yeah, that's pretty much it. And then I've danced at regular nightclubs, like DJ shows and stuff. And that's a really interesting perspective to have because people get super drunk at those. Yes. And you're up on stage and you're above the crowd and you can see everybody interacting and just throughout the night, like it's people watching. Totally. So I find that really fun too. And it's funny how the crowd changes over the course of the evening. (laughs) You get drunker and drunker. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's really fun to watch. (laughs) That's so cool. So because it's such a physically demanding job, do you do any training or anything like that to prepare or like can, can anybody go, go? or what would you recommend? Um, I'd say probably anybody can go-go. Go-go is an industry, though. There's definitely, like, there's a look, unfortunately. It's not burlesque where anyone can do it in terms of, like, age, size, etc. Because club managers... Yeah. Yeah. Club managers want a certain thing, and it's super exclusive, which is sad. But as far as the act of go-go dancing, I think anyone could do it. There's Mm -hmm. go-go dancing at burlesque shows sometimes, which is great. That is cool. Opportunities for people. Right, okay. Um, It's definitely hard work. Part of it is learning how to dance in a way where you can spend energy and conserve energy and you're in control of that. Yes. So there's ways to dance that still look like you're dancing, but you're taking a break. Yeah, <laughs> taking a breather. Yeah, so <laughs> posing and moving slower. Um, really great at the strip club because moving slow is actually what you want to be doing. Right. A lot of people move way too fast when they start out. And then, you know, moving fast when the song demands that. And right. that's how I think you put on a good show as a go-go dancer and not kill yourself. Yeah, not die. Yeah. Very easy to die. So, <laughs> And then for training, there's freestyle practice. I've done training with different teachers in the city on freestyle practice, um, improvisation. That's How do you develop that? There's tricks. So there's okay. one thing would be, this sounds really weird, but you can dance in shapes of the alphabet if you don't know what to do. So you just oh. like imagine an A, okay, I'm doing this. I'm, I mean, I'm doing it, putting my hands above my head and like being <laughs> sexy, but it's technically an A shape. I like that. What is a B? Okay, maybe I'll put my hand on my hip and my arm up. Okay, you guys need to see this. Like, (laughs) wish we were live streaming this. (laughs) It's so amazing. Yeah, so, um, never thought about that. that. Okay. Or, like, 
it's just like weird games you play in your head. You're like, okay, now I'm going to be a bird. What does a bird do? Okay, bird's <laughs> kind of flat. But you, you always, you know, you do your kind of sexy rolly movements. Right. In that, I'm not literally flapping my arms around. No. I would have let you guys know she was doing that. <laughs> but like, those are tricks to freestyle so that you can remember. And then also just having moves in your body. So always working on hip rolls, always working on chest motions, moving your hips and then your chest and then moving them in unison and Mm -hmm. things like that so you have these moves in your body so that when your brain turns off and you forget what you're doing you're still dancing yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and you've obviously um i know we're going back in this as well but you do some training in terms of pole dancing you take exotic classes you Mm -hmm. took my class yay um and now you're also getting into aerial hoops which is kind of interesting and also really hard too. So (laughs) how has your journey been with those? They're very different. Fantastic. So the way I approach all of my studying in dance, I guess, Mm -hmm. is that everything feeds into everything else. It does. Sure does. So nothing is a waste of time. Even though I might take a class that's totally unrelated to my goal, which pole and hoop aren't. Those are totally within my realm of goals. But Mm -hmm. like, say I take jazz tech it's like going to help me with my lines overall and things like that. So I really love that about dance and performance. Like anything you do, taking an improv class, I've done that. It was terrifying. Uh, Um, That sounds so nerve-wracking to me. I was very mad at it. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it helps with with you as a uh, performance and on stage and like persona and stuff. So doing all that, pole and hoop have been really great for strength conditioning. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes. I haven't been doing hoop for very long, and already I'm like, abs? Is that you? Yay! (laughs) Yeah, so it's been great, and I I love feeling strong, and I love that pole and hoop give you that, and working through the pain is kind of fun. Lots of pain. So much pain, (laughs) but it teaches you that you can get through pain. Yes. And now other things in my life, even just getting blood tests is something I would put off forever or go to the dentist, which I did yesterday. Yay! And I was like, Psh, pain. Give me a break. I do hoop. It's just part of the game, right? <laughs> but you just learn your limits and you learn what you're capable of. Yeah. And of course, like, not. pain within reason. If it's actually hurting, then stop. But, like, yeah. depending on what it is. Stop once pieces of my hands tear off. Yeah. But... Calluses for days. No yes. one ever shakes my hand. Yeah. <laughs> it looks so gross. I know. Because they're like, ooh, your grip strength. And I'm like, mm-hmm, sandpaper. Do you want some? <laughs> So you mentioned something about contributing to your persona. Because you come this far, what would you describe your persona as? I mean, you're still developing it. Yeah, I feel like I haven't come super far because it's only been a year and I'm technically a burlesque baby. I just did my first solo a couple months ago. Oh my gosh, congratulations. (laughs) Big steps. I'm I'm a super burlesque baby, but my persona is not who I thought it would be when I started. Um, Oh. Much more playful, fun. Um, I thought I'd be like this goth babe. (laughs) For some reason, I can see that. Yeah. I went into it. I remember I didn't want to take on the name Ray du Soleil because it's Ray of Sun and that's not goth. Yeah, it's like the opposite. <laughs> yeah, but that was the name that stuck. My friend came up with it. So I was like trying to think of all these like dark goddess names like Persephone and trying to find no. something that hadn't been taken. Yeah. I had like this list of mythical creatures and things like that <laughs> that I was like maybe this and that maybe this. like trying to come up with stuff and nothing was really fitting. Yeah. I was like I want to be like a goth bondage girl 
I want to wear latex. Like, I really wanted to be that. Interesting. But the first time I got up on stage, the person that came out was, like, this adorable flirt that is, like, ah. (laughs) And I could totally see that, too. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was, like, oh, I guess that's me. And that's the person that's come out of everything I've done. Even my more, like, my solo act was slightly more serious than some of the group numbers I've been in. But it's still, like, cheeky. I think my persona is cheeky. Oh, cool. I I need to come see you soon. I I can't wait. I'm going to... We're going to plug some of her upcoming gigs and stuff <laughs> later on, but um, that sucks. that's so exciting. And plus, it is a journey, so you might be cheeky now. Maybe next year you're going to be something else. Like, it's going to be always ever-evolving, right? Mm-hmm. So that's super freaking cool. So we're going to switch gears now. So I mentioned that you're a snake charmer. Yes. <laughs> and I'm so excited to talk to you about this. Okay, like, how did you get into that? Like, you have a pet snake. Yes. <laughs> were you um, old into the, this? Or, like, no. how did you get into this? I thought you wanted a dog. Like, what I, want a dog. I, want, I still want a dog. It's still my life goal. <laughs> yeah, snakes came with the burlesque. I did a snake photo shoot, which I think you've done too, or you're going to. No, do. I'm going to. I signed up. Yes. September one. I'm so excited. Oh my god, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> so it's really fun. Can't wait. Can't yeah. wait. We should talk about what you're gonna wear later. Yes. Um, but okay, yeah, I did a snake photo shoot. I've never been afraid of snakes. I've always thought they were pretty cool. I grew up in the Okanagan. There's lots of snakes for the catching out there. Mm-hmm. I would like go out and catch snakes and frogs and I was into amphibians and reptiles I didn't think they were creepy but I didn't know that I wanted one as a pet until the photo shoot and I was like wow these animals are really cool and calm and they make me feel calm and Mm. they're like they're like a big cold hug (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) and I went and did the snake handling course with the same group which is circus sideshow reptiles and I do a lot of work with them now amazing um and the snake handling course taught me more about snake care and that they eat only every depending on the age of the snake what type of snake you have either every week to like every month or so Whoa. so they eat very infrequently right which means they excrete very infrequently good <laughs> which means they're very easy to take care of the for maintenance that works every day <laughs> I've always wanted a pet I live alone um, and I've lived alone for a long time I like it a lot but it's lonely mm-hmm. and having my little guy there when I get sick or when I have a bad day at work and I can pull him out and be like I know you don't know what I am or who I am or why I'm here but you're gonna hug me now (laughs) (laughs) I love that (laughs) so I enjoy him very much his name's Smoot and he's a 10 year old ball python amazing and yeah he's cute he's very cute (laughs) he's got a snoot So how was that like, so you did that snake handling course, very mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. So you just went to the pet store and got a snake, or like how, do you, how does that work? Is there no, like... No, I didn't go to a pet store. I don't recommend anyone buys a snake from a pet store. It's kind of like getting a puppy from a pet store. Right, I was going to say like... Bad there... times for the snake. Oh no. Don't support the pet trade. Do not support that, peeps. And there are always reptiles oh, sorry, your foot. on... That's okay. There's always reptiles on Craigslist and at various reptile rescues and things that need homes. People get them and then decide they don't want them anymore because they're not as cool as they thought or whatever okay because honestly they don't do that much (laughs) it's kind of like having a pet rock (laughs) perfect (laughs) yes um but yeah went on craigslist and found him uh i did a lot of research and it's really important if you're gonna get a reptile to do your research there's a lot of 
misinformation on them. Okay. So I went and got him from a girl in Langley. She had fibromyalgia and couldn't take care of him anymore. So I'm glad I could give him a good home. Yeah, definitely, for Mm -hmm. sure. What kind of um, misinformation would you say that's out there in terms of like snake care? So much. I'll start with the biggest one, which is that they will uh, want to kill and eat you. And, and line up beside you in your bed and, like, see if you're if it's big enough to eat you. A snake cannot eat a person. No. Nor do they. Like, it's happened, like, in the Amazon. But yeah. that's a different. But not here in the Pacific Northwest. My mom is, like, adamant that my snake's going to eat me. And I'm like, his head is as big as my thumbnail. Like, there's no way. And they just don't register people as food. So they the smell of rodents is the smell of food for them. Right. People, hopefully, don't smell like rodents most of us yeah most of us. <laughs> I mean, some people they might but who knows yeah. <laughs> so that's probably the biggest myth is that they kill people generally like there's a lot of I think people that keep reptiles with bad husbandry practices so you need really high humidity they need the right heat gradients they need places to hide they need a lot of stuff to feel safe and secure and have a good stress-free life Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people just get them and kind of put them in a tank and put down some wood chips and they're like, there you go. And oh, it's no. Like, no, no, they have needs. They live in like the jungle, in my snake's case, Central Africa. And so creating that kind of environment is important. Otherwise, they do get stressed. Right. Okay. So what kind of environment does your snake live in at your house? Is it like a giant tank or like... It's pretty big. Yeah. There's some debate over whether ball pythons need a big space or not. I've given him one with lots of places to hide. I think that's a good middle ground he's Mm -hmm. got it's a custom made I paid so much money for it (laughs) (laughs) it's a custom made wood tank with like a cement wall that like looks like jungle rock what it's like full of flowers from Dresso it's very (laughs) it's very flamboyant I love it I hope he's into flowers because they're all over his tank and yeah he's got like a huge water dish he can sit in if he wants to cool off how can you tell when a snake is stressed out they'll stop eating oh no so they'll refuse food when they eat they put themselves in a place of vulnerability in the wild they can't move as fast their digestion is takes a long time because they're cold-blooded they don't have the, the heat so they have to stay in a warm spot for a couple days if they're going to take a meal so they won't take a meal if they feel like their environment isn't safe Mm. Um, so that's one of the biggest factors if a snake isn't eating then there's probably something wrong with their environment other things are they'll um, explore a lot they'll be looking for a way out so snakes should just chill they should be hiding most of the time they say a hiding snake is a happy snake okay interesting Um, but and this is with certain breeds most of the breeds that we keep here in Canada would be wanting to hide during the day um they, mm-hmm. they'll come out at night because they're nocturnal right yeah okay but cool. if your snake is out in the day like looking around being being active trying to escape that's from not because he's having a good time <laughs> no he wants to get the fuck out of there yeah <laughs> you're doing something wrong yeah <laughs> So, oh God. those are the two main okay interesting yeah. wow that's super fascinating <laughs> I love reptiles like I, I've always wanted like a pet iguana or something they're my favorite I remember doing a project when I was like nine and a Komodo dragon I mean obviously I cannot get a Komodo dragon <laughs> no, but I wouldn't recommend an fun. iguana either to be honest no okay no. iguanas if they're well cared for are super aggressive if if an iguana is docile it's probably sick no oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> you know all the things <laughs> yeah but you should get you could get like some kind a monitor lizard or everyone gets bearded dragons yeah everyone does easy easy and low maintenance yeah (laughs) 
So with your pet snake, Snoot, do you ever bring him into your performances or he's too small? Um, or... he's, he's a bit on the small side for wow factor. To me, he's like too cute. He's not badass enough. <laughs> and for, for him in particular, he's pretty shy. He's um, Ball pythons in general are, are quite shy. Um, so I perform with boas that are um, owned by the Circus Sideshow Reptiles. So cool. And the first thing that comes to mind is like, I'm a slave for you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it was so, so cute. Incredible. My dad sent me a clip of Sama Hayek from Dawn of the Dead. Oh! Yeah. And I was like, Dad! Because he hates that I do all this stuff. Oh, really? So it was nice oh, that he gosh. was like engaging with it and being like, hey, look. I get it. This is what you do. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> They're a lot bigger. They're a lot calmer. Right. They're, oh, really? Yeah, like ball pythons just freak out about everything. They're, <laughs> they're prey in the wild for a lot of species of birds and things. So. Yeah, because they are kind of small. Yeah, so they're just like, ah, what's happening? Yeah. Whereas I think boas maybe have fewer predators. I don't really know. I just know they're way calmer to Ooh, work with. Interesting. And people think they look cooler. They well, they're do. bigger, right? They're bigger. It's more like wow factor. And they, they don't have like the, the adorable puppy face that ball pythons no, have. No, they do not. <laughs> yeah. So quick sidebar. So you mentioned your dad isn't super supportive of this, or he's just uncomfortable with this. I think he's uncomfortable with me as a human having sexuality in a format. I think most dads are. <laughs> yeah, my dad is my main parent. Like, he's my family. He knows about the burlesque. He definitely does not know that I strip. He would die, I yeah. think. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think most parents would die, including myself. Yeah. Myself, my own parents. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I think he's aware that I go-go dance at a strip club. I don't really know if he's aware or not. He's not on any of my radio silly social media. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it wouldn't be good for either of us. No. I, I'm pretty sure, like, my, I'm pretty sure my, like, family knows. Like, yeah, my dad, we were on a trip to Mexico last year, um, Mexico City for my birthday. He was, like, kind of drunk, and he was like, whatever it is that you do, I'm proud of you. Aww. So I was like, I think he knows that I stripped. Because <laughs> I'm not exactly quiet about it, you yeah. know? It's, like, all over my freaking social everywhere. So yeah. I don't know, give a fuck anymore either. So, but it was just nice for him to, like, come out and say that. And, like, my mom's still, like, in denial. I don't even know if she's going to listen to this. She, do, are your parents on? your social media they are yeah. but sometimes I think my mom can be really like willfully blind because she's also very religious so she's like oh so you dance at penthouse and when I say dance <laughs> dance guys means I strip okay like <laughs> that's just what it is but like I think you're not in the crowd dance. like yeah I just fist bumping <laughs> my mom is so innocent sometimes so it's very tricky and it can be well, it's a tricky topic like whenever I want to bring it up because again like the whole like religion thing mm -hmm. is just shrouding her judgment and there's nothing wrong with religion well there's also that their generation sees stripping really differently exactly. than what it is now today. Now exactly. I've, I've explained this to a lot of like boomer men that come in and they're like, why are you here sweetie? And I'm like, actually. I choose to be here. Thank you. All of us choose to be here. I, I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone. There's people that I maybe are doing it and they don't want to be, but I think there are alternatives and if you want to strip, do it. It's awesome. And so like invigorating. From the girls I've talked to, most of us like it and want to do it. So yeah. Um, I've often had to explain I think people from that generation like stripping was so taboo that the people that did do it were either like like wild in their right. opinion or in that they had to day. which exactly. may not have been true I don't know I wasn't around in the 70s but, no <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, that, that people of our parents generation carry that view of it around and they're like why would you do that and I'm like why wouldn't I 
I know. It's still like very, very, very old school type of thinking and stuff too. And then I think that still carries on over with just a lot of people that carry kind of conservative uh, notions, mm-hmm. um, like in how they kind of see what stripping is and whatnot. And that's why I'm doing this show yeah. to tell all y'all that's not what it's about. But I mean, of course, there are instances I just personally never have met anyone in circumstances where they are forced into it or yeah, they didn't want to be there. Everyone that I've worked with, and there's a lot of those people that are going to be on the show that have chosen to be here because that's what we want to do and it makes us happy and it makes us a shit ton of money. Thank you. And I think <laughs> at least and people that I know too, we're really proud of it. It's a super amazing art form yes. and it's pole dancing has been pushed so far in the last, I think, 10 to 15 years. Amazingly far. It's crazy what we do. I, I mean, I can't yet, but... <laughs> you will you but will. I'm getting there but yeah it's pretty much like an observation status for the Olympics right now so really that's freaking cool awesome. yeah they announced that like two years ago so that's awesome anyways let's go back <laughs> to topic here so let's go into some Q&A here so I think most of your questions are with snakes basically oh I think God, everyone's people are asking like so questions many that are informed very informed questions and I feel like this person probably has a snake so I don't even know what some of the stuff even means so let's this let's go on to a first one so like how does one get comfortable around snakes <laughs> um if you have a phobia I'm not super qualified to answer I think that phobias are probably something that needs therapy but if you just are slightly freaked out by them I'd say if you know someone with a snake or you have access to a snake somehow you can kind of go and hang out with it I've had a few friends that are like mildly uncomfortable with snakes and they'll come over and you know um you never want to force someone to like touch a snake if they're scared of it like you want to kind of explain the, like the snake's behavior I think yeah. if you understand their behavior and how to read them they're they're very easy to read animals one of the things I do is I busk with a snake the street and it's mostly like kids and oh what and I didn't families. know that yeah you do all the things so uh doing that is really interesting because all kinds of people walk by and they're like yeah. oh my god a snake oh that girl has a snake around her and I'm like you want to touch it and a lot of people are like no and I'm like are you sure like look how sweet it is like look it's not gonna bite you and they'll come up and, and give it like a little poke <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they're like oh wow it's not slimy and I'm like yeah oh. they're actually really silky and then they're like oh and they'll want to feel it more and just like basically spending a bit of time learning about them I think is a good way to become comfortable. very introductory right yeah not to be like here we go have fun yeah. <laughs> um and so we kind of already went over this question what is your last like how'd you get into it you kind of already told your story about mm-hmm. that what is your opinion on cohabbing yeah um, or <laughs> that when they say cohabbing. cohabbing they mean having two snakes in one tank oh okay My is unless you're keeping garter snakes which are illegal in BC don't do it <laughs> do not I recently saw a corn snake and a ball python on Craigslist together Ooh. they're like only going to a loving home and snakes are solitary creatures they are not social they don't get lonely they don't really have parts of the brain that govern emotions so we think they don't really have emotions it sounds like me <laughs> yeah <laughs> solitary do. does not have any emotions yeah <laughs> So uh, they're not going to be lonely. You don't have to worry about that. If you're cohabbing and they're not, one snake hasn't eaten the other yet, that that could happen to you because they're just going to compete for resources. So they're going to oh, compete wow. for the heat source and things like that. And I think cohabbing is pretty dangerous. So the answer is no. Um, natural substrate or wood shavings? Is that like what goes inside the tank? Yeah, or? the substrate. Um, I use a substrate called forest floor. I find it really nice for keeping the humidity up and it's basically cypress mulch. So I guess wood shavings 
shavings, but not just any wood shavings. You don't want to use cedar or fir. And aspen is really not super appropriate because it'll go moldy if the humidity is correct. Um, but it also won't like contribute to keeping the humidity up. Um, some people get away with aspen. I like forest floor, cypress mulch, whatever. I didn't know like so many different kinds. <laughs> what? So if you have a ball python, eco earth is not great either because it can get stuck in their heat pits. Oh my gosh. Um, but eco earth is good for some species. Depends what you have. Depends what you have, right. Okay. Enrichment based life or highly scheduled? I think what they mean by highly scheduled is whether I feed on like a two week basis clock or something. Yeah. Um, and enrichment based, I mean, I see snake enrichment as like, do you take them out? And do you give them an environment that has things to do? Okay. Because um, some people keep snakes in like drawers. like Drawers? Yeah, like drawers. Like they literally um, keep them like in, it's, it's, um, <laughs> I like to think it's like an underwear drawer. Like yeah, it basically is. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's a thing. Okay. Yeah. So what? I think that's probably fine for some species. Like ball pythons don't do that much. They probably don't need enrichment. Snakes aren't super intelligent. But I prefer to offer enrichment. Mm-hmm. And I do take my snake out every now and then just so that he, I don't know, has... He's socialized. But like, not really socialized. But no, I mean, just so even if it is stressful for him, I think it's good to have a little bit of stress in your life. Like, mm-hmm. keeps things interesting for them. Highly scheduled, I feed him pretty much on a two-week basis. Like occasionally, yeah, I can't go to the store that day to get the rat, so he has to wait a day or two. But he's overweight anyway, so it's fine. This is sounding so appealing to me. I'm like such a low maintenance animal, right? Yeah, I love yeah. That. So never home. Yeah, so it's like hmm. exactly. Rack systems, cruel or all snake needs? Do you know? I don't even know. That's what, what I just is. was talking about. So okay. like the drawers. Oh. When people have a lot of snakes, they'll they'll kind of get like what is called a snake rack, and it's just drawers that you pull out, and they'll different have a different snake. Nice. They'll have like a water dish in their drawer. Sometimes they'll have like a hide, like the, a little cave for them to hide in. Okay. Um, in the drawer as well. Sometimes they don't. Like I said, personally, if you only have one or two snakes, why not have them in a beautiful display case and offer them the enrichment? If you are a breeder and you have a lot of snakes, I don't know that racks are necessarily cruel. I don't really know enough about snake physiology. I don't, like, I wouldn't feel good about it myself. Mm. But I'm not going to judge people that keep their snakes in racks. I I just, they're not highly intelligent creatures. They're not super social. They do like to be in the dark. A rack does theoretically provide that but you know just putting an animal in a drawer just feels wrong to me it does feel wrong like why even bother getting a pet that you're just gonna be in a drawer people get really obsessed with snakes and they just like buy more and more and more there's people with like hundreds of them yeah so I remember like reading about this like well reading watching this YouTube person that she had like a ton of mm-hmm. snakes but like not in great care and people were like uh you're not taking care of that animal right reptile people are interesting too there's so many opinions on these are all asking my opinion yes <laughs> there's They're so all opinions. many opinions on how to keep keep an animal and I think reptiles haven't been studied very much in captivity so mm-hmm. the information is like oh you should do it this way no you should do it this way well where are the studies there are none so <laughs> I mean I don't know these are all my opinions interesting but. and last question for the snakes so frozen thawed or live rodent I think I mean frozen thawed is the that's one thing oh okay I, I, I don't know sure. why they put a comma no but. I think I just <laughs> Jack was like frozen thawed. Is that a thing? I don't know anything about snakes. <laughs> I feed my snake frozen thawed because he'll take them. They're way more convenient. They just hang out in your freezer till you're ready to use them, and then I thaw them out in the fridge overnight. 
uh, the same way you would with any other meat so they develop bacteria and then I shoot it with a blow dryer till it's like 100 degrees Fahrenheit so that um, he, he can see it because snakes see heat signatures oh, and oh. that's how they hunt so cool. if it's ice cold they're just going to be like that's not food they're so, not going to see that yeah. at all it's not going to come up on the radar yeah they'll smell Whoa. it but like it's better if you have if it's like a real yeah. hunt um, <laughs> live rodents I think anyone who gets a snake should be prepared to feed live if they have to some snakes won't take frozen thawed or snakes will go on a hunger strike is what they call it and they don't want to eat usually that's the owner's fault in some way Whoa. but sometimes feeding live can break that I've never had to I'm glad I haven't that would suck rats are cute um, Ugh, I don't know about rats mice sort of but <laughs> I think feeding live uh, live is a little bit more dangerous too your snake can get hurt rats are vicious <laughs> rats are scary as fuck yeah so and you have to like obviously either keep them in your houses where to find that you're ready to kill them or you have to go to the store and get it on the I'm just like no frozen thought you're so uncomfortable with that <laughs> yeah I can't even think about yeah. that cannot fathom um well wow that brings us to the end of all of our questions here I'm so excited to have you on the show thank you so much where can we find you where are you dancing next tell yeah. us where my Instagram handle is at ray.dusoleil it's spelled the way that you spell sun in French just google it <laughs> just google it guys <laughs> I'm also Ray Dusoleil on Facebook dance most weekends at the Gramble Strip sometimes I'm go dancing sometimes I'm doing private dances my next burlesque show is December 12th so that's get your tickets a while away where it'll be at the Rio it'll Ooh. be the Vancouver Burlesque Company <laughs> we're losing words now oh guys it's been, a long, it's been a long time of recording it'll be the Vancouver Burlesque Company's student showcase oh. Awesome. Um, and I'll be in a chair number that's really exciting because there's a they do very good chair numbers. Chastity Twist does them. Oh, um, fun! Yeah, it'll be really good. And then I might also, if they accept it, I might also be doing my solo again. So you should follow her on social. You could keep up to date wherever she may be dancing at. And don't forget to tip her because she's amazing. Yeah, that was it for today's episode of Strip by Sia. Don't forget to subscribe, guys. Hit that subscribe button, and we'll tune in next Sunday for another episode with someone fantastic in this awesome freaking community. Have a great day. Bye. You're listening to Stripped by Sia, produced and hosted by Steph Sia, aka Kim Chi, music by Ted.